Hello and welcome to episode 9 of Salamacast for the season, myself Ollie and Glyn and this week we have a guest and yeah, first appearance on the pod for Phil Brown, so welcome Phil. Hi guys, thanks for having me, pleased to be here. Yeah, it's, it's nice to have someone else in the front room again Ollie, it's always, it's always fun to have some company and um, yeah, say Phil's one of your sort of long term friends isn't he I suppose in terms of someone you sit next to at the football, so um, yeah I guess you two have maybe got similar outlooks on football do you think Ollie? Um, similar, we sometimes we often, we often have different views on players. Phil's not, I would say, not the the biggest fan of Norburn, and we always have a few jokes. But yeah, often yeah, we often chatting through the game through, and yeah, always discussing different points. So yeah, it's good to have Phil on the podcast. Finally, I'll, I'll ask Phil the same question then. <laughs> do you agree, or do you do you find yourself listening to Salopcast thinking, oh, Ollie wasn't like that at the match? Um, I think by the time Ollie comes to record for Salopcast, he's had time to maybe calm down, and reflect a little bit because. I think you're a little bit more reactive than I am at the time, Ollie, if it may be fair to say. Yeah, I think that's fair to say. And also, as we said on our, we always put this on Twitter as well. When we watch the game back, you often get a different story or different emotion watching it back. Yeah. So, yeah, it's... It's a, I, remember, I always remember Glenn um, away under the Paul Hurst season when, when we were away at Bradford and Omar Beckles got sent off and I was going mad on Twitter and you kept going no Ollie you're wrong with a red card <laughs> yeah that, that wasn't that was a foul yeah well it, we're allowed to disagree as I say we think exactly. we've had some uh, interesting debates in the last few weeks and I'm sure we'll keep that, that going after what happened at the weekend but let's just set the scene for Phil really before we get on with what happened at the weekend at Ipswich but yeah so when, when did you start going towards the town Phil? Um, my year I suppose started um, early 90s in fact one of the first games I went to was um, because uh, my father sponsored a game, yeah. um, so I was um, in the in the sponsors' lounge having a meal. I was probably only anywhere between five and eight. I don't really recall. <laughs> um, scrolling through the program, and whose face do I see as being the mascot? But it was actually Ollie. No. Um, so that was my first wow. um, attendance to Gay Meadow. And what you know, what are the chances? Um, <laughs> Ollie was the mascot, and so I saw his little face in the in the program. But um, I don't remember that game very well. He was Chester, and we were six. Oh, oh wow, that's mad. And did you know yeah. each other at the time then? Yes. Oh, yeah, we okay, did, yeah. Fine. Oh, there you we go. Did, well, no yeah. one you recognise. Oh, what a random story. And, and so you've been going for, yeah, so just as long as Ollie, which I say was a bit longer than me. So of all that era, who's your, who's your one number one player, would you the say? The one that sticks in mind was is Paul Evans. Yeah. Um, I just remember going to uh, a few games, a bit more sporadic attendance in those, in those times, as you might expect, but he just seemed to, to just dominate for us. I remember him scoring, I, I tried to look at what game it was, but he scored... You know, a thunderbolt from the edge of the box. I was behind the goal, um, and I remember watching it, making a point of watching it back on Central News because, <laughs> luckily, um, I went with my dad, and luckily he decided to wear a bright pink jacket to the game, so it was very easy to spot myself <laughs> on the news after that one. But yeah, the, um, just some of the things he did obviously made an impression on me as a, a very young uh, football uh, viewer. And um, I, to be honest with you, no one else really has since. So that that's the name from uh, from my early days that that's really sticks enough. in the mind. He had a lot of long ranges in his locker. Locker, he didn't. He scored a lot of them. I remember same same era I was going mm. as a kid as well. Yeah, I liked Evans. He was always one of my favourite players growing up as well. So we're on we're on familiar ground here. We'll see if that continues as we talk about Shrewsbury losing three 0 to Ipswich, Ollie. So um, yeah, I, I guess do you want to do you want to move on to to what was a very long day? Yeah, let's start. Yeah, it was a big a long long <laughs> day, and yeah, let's jump into the detail. Did well to get a foot in. Here's Hackett. Tried the shot. Oh, a magnificent goal! Gary Hackett in the 72nd minute gives Shrewsbury a lead they deserve. So only the one game to cover this week, Ollie, which makes a change. We've been doing two games every week. So, yeah, maybe we can look at this in a bit more detail, which is a shame because it was a 3-0 loss. Um, yeah, so we obviously travelled to Ipswich for the first time in a very long time um, and came away losing 3-0 with 
goals through Jackson, Norwood and Downs for Ipswich and obviously we've got a red card for Sean Wally to talk about um, in front of 19,161 so a big attendance for us to play in front of um, me and Ollie were struggling for the away attendance before we started recording this podcast and suddenly Phil chirped up and so yeah we did take a few didn't we Phil how many was it? I believe it was 616 I stand to be corrected but I'm sure I saw that scroll across <laughs> the scoreboard while we were there and which, um, is crack, which is cracking really isn't it Ollie it's a, that's a, that was a decent attendance it was a good attendance for little old Shrewsbury um, and it is a bloody long way <sighs> Um, yeah. So yeah, it's four and a half hours for me to fill on the train, and also I feel yeah sorry for such fans if they're going to go away they've got to go to London first, which is always a bit of, be a bit of a ball ache. Yeah, so. which is what I did. I mean, yeah, we might as well get out the trips there. So you had a massively long trip, but I I went down on the Friday night night in London, woke up on Saturday morning in in central London near Spitalfields Market, not feeling the greatest, but a, a nice American style pancake breakfast got me back in the game, and then. Yeah, a few more ales on the way up to um, up to I think, Ipswich. I think you were having breakfast when we'd started drinking. Because yeah, we were having breakfast doesn't mean we hadn't started drinking. I don't think we really, I don't <laughs> think we really stopped. We'd had a really great curry in um, Brick Lane in central London, which is a fantastic place. If you're ever going to London, you want a, a really nice curry. That's apparently one of the best places in London to go. So there's my there's my um, sort of recommendation of the week. But yeah, and then it was really nice, actually, because we all met up in... Um, what was the pub called now? I've already forgotten. The Station Hotel. Station Hotel. And, and met up with you guys. But it was also one of those circumstances we met up with loads of guests who've been on the podcast, you you know, friends I've seen for years. Someone who I know that lives over that side of the country called Webby, who's a, who's a real good friend of ours. So it was one of those nice way, things to think. We were a long way away from home, but we're in a sort of melting pot of Shropshire, and it was a good vibe, wasn't it, Phil? Yeah, it was really good. It, as an away day, um, obviously it's a, an awful long trek. But when you arrive, the away fans pub is right outside yeah. the station. Uh, very handy, very nice pub, and you know, good choice of, of beers and ales and. Um, yeah, it was really nice as soon as you get there to almost feel a little bit at home because yeah. there were so many people milling around there and uh, congregating. and it was it was good to uh, to catch up with people, have a bit of a chat before the game, and, and yeah, it was just a, a, a very good um, re- layout really. Of, yeah. Like I say, railway station straight into the pub, and then you're only a five minute walk from the ground as the, well. The first person I bumped into in the rally was uh, the guy that's on Twitter, and, and a few fans might know him as is Ipswich Shrew. So obviously, I was he was like a twenty minute walk to the game for him. So he was finally able to see a game in his own backyard. So he was absolutely minor celebrity. Yeah, for the he day. was absolutely buzzing. He was, but yeah, it was good, wasn't it? And as I say, it was. Um, it's funny that pub is obviously. Uh, kind of catering to when they were in the Premiership where they might have had, you know, I don't know, 1,500 fans from a Premiership team turn up, but with only 500 town fans there, you could get a drink pretty quickly. So It was pretty spacious. That was, was lovely <laughs> for everyone. So that, that lead into the game was good. But So, yeah, we'll, we'll move back to the game, really, after after sort of uh, our escapades. But, yeah, I mean, the, the stats weren't great, were they, Ollie? Um, we'd not won at Portman Road in 11 attempts, um, and it had been 30 years since we last played them in the league, so this was a, a chance to get what I think Ricketts was calling before the game an historic result. Um, obviously, we didn't quite go our way um, and yeah only one win in 17 attempts in total against Ipswich and obviously before my time um, I think older fans will remember some very famous FA Cup victories against them so yeah the, the stats weren't great um, but it was one of those ones where it, they're, they're so bad that you know a decent result would have looked fantastic but um, wasn't to be and, and one of the surprising things on the train up that uh, I saw and I think we can touch on now is we weren't playing in purple, but we also weren't playing in blue and amber, were we, Ollie? No, we were going for a white kit, which is quite funny linking back to when I was a mascot. Yeah, we played in a white yeah. shirt with blue shorts. This time it was white shirt with purple shorts. I thought the kit was all right. I know you're not a fan of white kits, Glenn. I don't like Shoe Town white kits. I know it's we've had an era where we had blue and white kits, and that's fine. But it, 
it was only really at the start of my year watching us, and I, do, I think we're a blue and amber team or a random colour away kit, so I don't mind it for an away kit, but um, I don't know. I mean, it just was... It, how has that happened? Do you know what I mean? I mean, a few people did point out at the time that the kits were going to clash at several games this season. I suspect we'll end up using that white kit a few times, but at least this time town aren't trying to fleece fans for a third kit, you know, in terms of money. I think people will probably buy it, but it's just another expense for fans, and I don't think it will get sold. But, yeah, I don't know. Phil, what did you make of it? I mean... It was okay. I like the colour scheme. I think the the white and, and purple looks okay together, but the the top itself, to me, looked a little bit Sunday League. It was like something you'd buy out of a sports catalogue for, um, you know, ten pound a head kind of thing. Mm. But um, I, as I say, the colour scheme was all right. But if it was going to be a kit that they were ever going to sell, which I wish I don't think they are, um, a little bit more attention to detail, a bit of uh, yeah. colour around the collar or anything, it could look quite nice. But um, I think it did look a little bit uh, amateur on the day, to be honest. And it didn't bring us any more luck than the the fabled terrible black kit of last year, did it? So you know, maybe maybe we, maybe black and white. Let's avoid that. The purple kit might be the one to stick with because I think we've had well, well, hopefully we'll have better away results with that. But anyway, regardless of what colour we were in, Ollie. Um, team when that came through soon after that news wasn't really too surprising to me yeah not too surprising um we wanted to see um lawrence start yep definitely so it's good to see he he was in the team and um, one change on the last game in the league with goss coming back in uh, but we did start up a little bit differently and um, we played obviously three at the back with wing backs but um, um edwards and goss were playing as two central midfielders with Worley and lawrence sitting quite deep um in defense um it's supporting the midfield but morrison was kind of a bit of a lone striker Worley wasn't playing up front um, with him so it was a slightly different approach for this game yeah, obviously. A bit like Chelsea and their kind of 3-4-3 formation, but I think it's fair to say it's a little bit more defensive. It gave Morrison support for, for the first time in a few weeks. You know, Wally and Laurent did get up there a bit more than in other games, and obviously as the game went on and we went down to 10 men, that unfortunately changed. But um, you could see signs that it was possibly a bit more attacking, which I was quite surprised by, to be honest with you. I was pretty sure Ricketts would end up playing the normal back five and then two sitting midfielders and try and not let get broken down. But yeah, it was interesting, interesting to have that little tinker. And... Um, yeah, I, I don't know really. I suppose the one thing we haven't really covered is Phil is unfortunately the one player that we might have thought might have started maybe in the Wally position is Faye and he, it turns out he's injured for three to four weeks now and that'll be a loss, won't it? Yeah, not great news at all. I must admit, looking at the the team sheet, it was the I felt the, the strongest team he could have picked it out of those of picked out of those available. Yeah. Um, but like you say, it's it's a shame that we're not going to see um, Faye for a little while, especially mm. with. Um, as I'm sure you'll come to talk about a suspension coming up uh, yes. in that area so um, it uh, it's not good news no but Ollie you were you were alright with the way we started in this game weren't you you thought we started well <laughs> um, well we had the possession <laughs> for about a minute I was being um, ironic for about 30 <laughs> seconds yeah I know we had ta- we did we did actually have a nice little bit of passive passive move for a little bit um, second yes yeah, it's funny you say that Glenn Tarrant did start passing the ball around for like all of 30 seconds <laughs> um, and then um, yeah Pierre gave the ball away um, Edwards he tried to pass to Edwards who got tackled from kind of behind um, and then Norwood passes it past Ebanks onto Jackson who runs into the box uh, who fires into the back of the net and Ed Beckles was too far away yeah, to put was. pressure on him I think it's fair to say O'Leary didn't really react very well um, but it was a yeah, I'm sorry, but as a team, a massive brain fart. Um, if the, I was watching it back, watching the highlights to try and understand, you know, how do we concede? And then kind of paused it um, when we kind of lost the ball. And the space that um, they had was unbelievable. Yeah, it's not good. It was basically a third of the pitch in the middle was just empty. Um, Goss was kind of where Giles potentially could have been. Giles wasn't in shot. Um, there was no one in central midfield. Um, Pierre was a bit out of position. 
Um, and then, yeah, we were just all at sea. And to give possibly, well, they are definitely, I'd say, the best um, striker partnership in the league, give them the ball and the opportunity to counter-attack on us um, was, um, yeah, um, terrible. And as as Nick Southall said on BBC Shropshire, the worst possible start. But, yeah, he hadn't seen him. He, yeah, he was going get, to get a few more surprises before the half was over. I don't know if he'd been to the Rotherham game in the Cup. <laughs> because it wasn't quite as bad as that. Obviously, there's, a, there's another goal to come quite soon. But, yeah, I mean, you could pick faults at pretty much all of that. You know, Pierre's pass to Edwards looks short. Edwards is on his is on his heels. He's not quick enough to the ball when he gets it nabbed off him. Which, to be honest with you, wasn't the first time that happened in the game. Um, and then, as I say, the defence were just pulled here, there, and everywhere. And you're right about the, the strikers. They they definitely were worried about them, and they were good. You know, we'll probably talk a bit about Ipswich as we go through. But yeah, our defence for the first time looked unsettled. I think, and and they were getting pulled out of position a lot. Phil, do you think? I think maybe for the. Um, the start of that game, could you give some of the players the benefit of the doubt they were just finding their feet in this slightly new Possibly. setup, maybe trying to be a bit too kind to them there? But yes, for that first goal, I think you can see that there was you know, two or three opportunities where someone could have done something slightly more, maybe, to stop it happening. But mm. I don't think you can fault the keeper. I think when the, the striker's that close to goal, he gets a good connection with it. Um, by the time it gets to that point, I think it's uh, as it proved to be all over. But yes, I think obviously giving the ball away. Um, Ebanks maybe could have stuck a foul, I don't know, maybe quite got there. Um, Omar, like you said, not near enough to his striker. There's there's two or three things maybe yeah. more leading up to that goal and maybe that the, the positional this positional sense of the team was all out. We were just all over the shop. Um and to 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 be that sloppy in the first minute is just yeah, it's just very poor and, and even um, and the manager went to call it naive. It just sets back, doesn't it? You know, it's the second time yeah. it's happened this season where we've let an early goal in and and, and you know, as I go through this, there my, my perceptive perception of this game and what went on is tainted by the fact, like we talked about, that long journey there and the expense that we paid today. And like to me, I'm a bit more miffed off about what happened. I can understand ten men, Trevor Kettle. We're going to come to all that later on, but yeah, just getting there, sitting in your seat after all that hassle of getting there and seeing <laughs> that happen. You're like, come on, just come on, lads. I mean, you taking are you taking the piss or what here? And the, the crowd made a massive noise when that goal went, and you could tell there was nineteen thousand there straight away. And they they weren't great in chanting all through the game, but when they scored, a bit like you know Sunderland, their big chances, really loud. And I think we possibly you know affected the referees as the game went on as well. So yeah, not not a great start at all. And um, yeah, Nick Southall was right, worst possible start. And um, yeah, then it was a case of trying to battle back into the game, wasn't it? Well, we could. Yeah, um, we had a, a we had got a corner. I'm um, sorry, um, Wardy got the ball off the corner f- um, flag, sorry, um, and crossed it in, and Morris headed over, oh. and that was a really good opportunity it was. there. And you know, so this is this is still like in the first few minutes of the yeah. game. You know, if we'd scored, then maybe we could have quietened the, the crowd down. It's interesting that before the game, um, Paul Lambert was saying that the fans need to be patient, and they I think they had a bit of a, a tire, tire um, a frustrating game against Wimbledon. But obviously for them, this was the perfect start. And yeah, obviously um, put a few smiles on their faces in terms of the game starting. Um, and then um, this is, and then Wally was then in, involved again. So um, they were taking a free kick. Wally runs over and like a right plonker, puts his um, foot in front of the way of the, the quick free kick and gets booked. Um, and to be honest, you can't have any arguments nope. about that yellow card. Not at all. And to be honest with you, Wally was trappy all through the game. You know, he, there was a couple of times before he got his red, what we'll talk about later on, where he had a bit of a pop at the referee. And he, he clearly remembers something that's gone on with Kettle that's got him knocked off, I think. And he was he seemed to be, from that fourth minute on, he was skirting the line of getting another yellow card, which possibly is one of the reasons that played into what happened later on. I don't I don't know if that's true. I, I'll ask Phil about that in a minute. Well, I'm just going back to that, that first chance there with Morrison, Ollie. One of the things I found really interesting about that chance um, is everyone's been saying for weeks now, he doesn't get enough service 
service. He doesn't get enough service. But that was a, a really good cross to him. That was his bread and butter headed chance, and he did not even test the keeper. So, uh, you know, I'm not positive about Morrison at all. Ever again, I haven't watched him on Saturday. And again, he's got a chance there, and he's not done enough with it. And um, people have heard what I've had to say about Morrison in the last few weeks, Phil, so, and probably Ollie as well now. But I don't know, where, where are you at with Morrison and, and the non goal scoring striker that he, he has been so far? I think um, he certainly brings something to the team that we're not going to get off anyone else we've got in the squad whether that uh, is uh, useful to the formation and the tactic we try and play mm. I don't know but obviously we've we've had non-striking non-scoring <laughs> strikers that's our special uh, yeah <laughs> for a long time but even in the um, the successful season a couple of years ago obviously Carlton Morris didn't score too nope. many goals True. Um, but what he did do was bring others into play now I, I don't really see too much of that from Morrison so mm. far. I mean, there's, yep. there's talk of his, his flick-ons, but at most of the time they're to nobody. And I think when he, I first started seeing him play, I gave him the benefit of the doubt, thinking he's almost a bit too clever for some of our other players, and they're mm. not reading the play and not, but uh, and not keeping up with it, and thinking that he's he's flicking the ball onto where they should be. Um, but maybe now, as, as time goes on, um, you're starting to think, well, what does he bring to the game? I mean, he's. He's one of these players, he's, he's a bit of a, a bully in a way, and I can imagine defenders don't like playing against him, but if if we're just knocking long balls to him when he's 30, 40 yards out from goal and he's doing a flick on, then defenders are just going to be happy with that all day because yeah. um, he's just not bringing anything. And, and like you say there, Glyn, that, that chance was, was brilliant. While he's in a position we're probably more familiar to seeing him to, just uh, wide right, he does... Um, uh, a couple of nice turns to get a little bit of space. Great ball into the box, and I don't even think it was very far out, was it? Nope. Eight, ten yards, something like yeah, that. Maybe, about that. Yep. maybe so, and just heads over. Paul, that's uh, that's surely, like you said, it is bread and butter. What he's all about, and I think the longer it goes without him getting a goal, um, the more it's going to be easy for fans to call for him to be dropped, and um, maybe with suspensions and injuries, we're going to be he's going to be. Uh, forced to be played not saying that the manager might not choose to drop him but that option is almost gone now maybe for another um, two or three weeks or yep. maybe more so he really needs to get that first goal and, and hopefully that will just uh, keep you open the floodgates yeah. but you know if he gets 10 this season I'll you know uh, the way it go looks at the moment <laughs> I'll be surprised there we go there we go but you know it feels worth just picking up with Morrison there because I haven't really got anything else to say about him going forward, Ollie. You know, a lot he did do a couple of flick-ons, but when I watched the highlights back today, he didn't actually get his head on two of the balls that created chances. He just sort of annoyed the defender to the point they missed it, which is fine. But one of the things I'd say there with Phil is that, yeah, defenders don't like playing against him, but defenders are not worried about him scoring. So, you know, mm. swings around about to say. Attack, we got out of the way early doors. It's probably not much more worth talking on Morrison as the game goes on. Um, but... Yeah, there we go. And as I say, the Wally one, we'll just pick that up as well, really. I, I say I agree with you, Wally. He couldn't really have any complaints at all, could he? But it was it was an indication, you know, that chance. And, and there was you know, another chance that came up quite soon that we, we did look strangely attacking-minded. And we, we were creating chances, weren't we, Wally? Yeah, we were. Um, and we found it, like, you know, it wasn't too difficult to actually get through um, the switch defence and have a shot. Or at least get the ball into the box. Um, so we had a really good um, build-up play from Giles and Laurent. Um, who got a, Giles then got a ball into the box. Yep. Couldn't find anyone. Um, that was really frustrating. Um, and then, unfortunately, um, we come to the penalty situation. Um, so Giles is is one on one versus the right the right back, who he gets done. And then Lawrence tries to support him and, and clips him from behind. Mm-hmm. He was really clumsy defending. And um, again, the back three not exactly in a great um, position, um, but it was clearly outside the box in slight defence and at risk of getting slated. Um, it is very, very close, and he's, he is a quite a, a nimble, fast um, right back. 
um, yeah. is uh, Vincent Young, and he does end up in the box, but yeah, it was outside the box. The ball on the replays on the line, but yeah, the guy's outside the box when you slow it down and you do your own VAR using the YouTube and slow the video down. It definitely was outside the box. I haven't really got too much to say on this, Ollie, because I've been drinking so much I needed a piss and I missed this goal. <laughs> I, was down, <laughs> I was downstairs in the toilet and you you know, you're any fan that goes to away games or, or even home games and stuff, you might occasionally need to go to the toilet and sometimes you're down there and you hear that noise and you're like, Oh, bloody hell. Is it really worth going back? And by the time I got, I came back, I came just up and, and Norwood was slotting his really good penalty, to be fair, which Max got quite close to. He could have saved it, I think. Maybe he'd be disappointed that he didn't just put an arm down another foot or so and, and save it, really. But for me, yeah, you're right. On the on the, on the the course of it, when you look back at it slowly, not a penalty. On the day, people around me, sorry, all thought it was a penalty. Yeah, it was it was in line with us, wasn't it, Phil? Um, we were in line with, with the tackle and it did look like it was in the box. I didn't have any complaints at the time. Um no, that's true. We did have a very good view of it. It's straight in front of us. And my first reaction was, that's a blatant penalty. Yeah. Um, when the, the ref blew for it, and then he, there seemed to be, I don't know if it was just me, but he didn't seem to actually indicate what he blew for straight away. And I thought, yeah, you never know, delay. because it's Trevor Kettle, is he going to actually point the other way, mm. make a huge clangor and not give them a penalty? As it turns <laughs> out, he made the clangor by giving the penalty. But at the time, um, I, I did think, yeah, that's, that's a blatant foul um, in the box. And uh, yeah, it was blatant penalty, and like uh, Glenn says, unfortunate for the keeper not to save it. But I didn't have any complaints at the time. He was no. too fast. He hit it really, really hard. Yeah. While, he, while he went the right way, um, the the ball I think was probably in the back of the net before he was going to get any chance to it. And yeah, you know what we all know of Norwood, obviously scoring goals for Tramir for fun. Um, yeah, it was it was a, a brilliant penalty. And this next moment, really after that, for me was probably the only chance we had to get him back into the game. You know, Gosset a really good free kick into into the box and. Pierre again looking at the replay should have scored and, and he's 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 at the post unfortunately and it's it's bounced clear and yeah I think you put on the agenda I'm just reading Ollie really poor finish and it definitely was but he's a centre back unfortunately you know yeah maybe maybe Waterford would have scored that if he was still here what do you think <laughs> it was a poor finish um, again really poor defending by Ipswich um, he was free um, no one tracked him um, so that was again. Our poor finishing again, you know, um, was costing us, and it's been a bit of a, a theme for this season. Yeah, I, that wasn't the only one moment in this game where I would say poor finishing, but we'll go we'll go through that as we get on. And and yeah, the one great, and I mean, obviously we're going to talk about this now, which was the pivotal moment of the whole game because once we had the second red, the second yellow, and and Wally went off, it was game over. As much as we maybe were right in the second half, and we'll come to that, but. I don't know, guys. What, what, it was right down in the corner, wasn't it, away from the town fans? So, it was, for me, I couldn't, again, on the day, I couldn't see what it had been given for. And as he was walking off, a lot of people around me who were in a similar situation were like, he must, he must have swore at the referee again because he'd been trapping. And we were like, oh, he must have got it for descent. But, yeah, I've looked at it on the replay today and he just steps across and is a little bit late into the tackle. But it is, there's not much in it. So, I don't know. If it was the other way around and you were an Ipswich fan, would you have been calling for it, Phil? No. You would not. I think if you look at the replay... Um, on the highlights, the crowd, they're not really fussed. The Ipswich players are just walking away. The refs give a free kick. Yeah, that kind of cha- cha- challenge happens two or three times in every game, really. Mm. Um, the Ipswich crowd behind aren't really jumping up and down. They're not fussed. Um, and as I say, the Ipswich defenders, other players, are just walking away, waiting for the keeper to take the free kick. No one seems to be demanding... Um, any justice for a horrendous foul mm. I don't think there was too much malice there yes it's maybe naive when you're already on a booking with Kettle um, absolutely but um, I was surprised I mean I, I could see the incident from where I was so I could 
tell what kind of foul it was. Yeah, okay. Um, but I I was surprised that he got his book out as as seemed to be a lot of the uh, Ipswich fans behind the incident, if if I'm honest. And it's funny, because last season, Ollie, we were pretty positive about Kettle, weren't we, on the podcast? He refed us two or three times, and it was innocuous. He was a solid enough referee, didn't really stand out. But if I, from my memory, it was when we played um, smaller teams. And it did feel a little bit like a big stage, Ipswich 19,000. He stood out a lot more on Saturday. And obviously this is just one of numerous incidents which... Honestly, sent some Shrewsbury Town fans into a state of fucking delirium. They were losing their mind, Town fans, towards the end. And and and, and I don't know. What do you think of it? Do you think it was just because he's a poor ref and we've got lucky the last few times, or you know, did he want to stand out? Or I, I don't know. I don't know what to make of this situation. It totally changed, totally ruined the game for us, really. Yeah, I'm going to disagree with both of you. Go on, then. Um, I thought he made a right decision here. Okay. Um, I think Wardy knew what he was doing. Um, he knew the player was going to was um, Casey swinging his foot. And he put his studs up. Mm. Um, so when the player followed through on kicking the ball, he hit him on the shin. I've got no complaints here. Okay. And for a 32-year-old guy who's been playing professional football for for for, for you know for way on over 10 years, um, it's naive. And yeah, I think Wally let us down. He's laughing um, when he went he, off, Wally. He's like, you look he, did, the he was laughing when he was going off as if like, yeah. yeah, as if. And I'm not sure if he was happy. I don't think I'm not. I don't want to suggest that he was laughing because he thought it was funny. But it's almost like he expected it to happen. Mm. But if you put your foot out in front of a player who's kicking the ball and swinging through, you're going to get yellow carded. Now, like, could he have just gone right? That's your last warning. You know, you are already 2-0 down, a bit of common sense. I could see that argument. Yeah, that was, that was going to be exactly my point. Oh, I think, technically, it is a yellow card offence, I suppose. But is it worthy of a second yellow at that early stage of the game when we're already 2-0 down? I mean, to me, I would I would be calling for common sense refereeing there rather than robotic that is another yellow card. And you're right about the, the fans, Phil, and watching it back, it's clear because it's obviously the Ipswich fans are really close to the pitch. None of them are up or up no. in their arms or off their seats um, in, in response to the challenge. Yeah. But yeah, I think it, it was a yellow. And it, it, was, it did wreck us. Yeah, it, it's just, it's just uh, I don't know. I mean, I, I was surprised. I, I, in my back of my mind, I'd had this vision that Wally had talked himself into a red card previously for us, and but apparently that was his first red card. So that's pretty good going, considering he's played, like, whatever, it's almost 200 or just over 200 games now. So hasn't got the worst disciplinary record. Um, but yeah, it, it's... He's got a few yellows for diving. Yes, <laughs> yes, but that's, you know, it, it, say he's Some always years. managed to stand up and... He's been booked early on in games before and he's always used his noggin and, and kind of kept out of trouble before. But just seemed to have one on him, I thought, that whole game. And people have been talking about saying whether he should have, you know, had a warning or stuff. But you don't know what a referee sort of says in passing, like when he's been trapping off. You could say, look, I'm not going to have this anymore. You know, the next thing you do, I'm, I'm going to be looking at it. And we don't know whether there was a warning or, or a word that was spoken during that period between four minutes and whatever it was, late on second second half, uh, late on into the first half. So, you know, we don't know whether he had been given a warning and it'd be frustrating if it had if he had it and he still did it but um, yeah that was it 10 men then really and for me the game changed a little bit and I'm interested to see what your guys viewpoint is because I think we had a bit of a chat last night on Twitter I think you have a different opinion to me Ollie but to me I think when they went one man up and they were 2-0 up they had a good period at the end of the first half and the start of the second half where they really knocked themselves down a couple of gears and played well within themselves and they will be disappointed they conceded chances to us but I I don't think they were worried in the slightest. Um, that's my personal view about the rest of the Wayne game, game went, Ollie, in terms of, uh, yeah, into the second half. But I don't know, do you disagree with that? I think you think that we played okay. Yeah, I think we played the right way. So we had a really good chance. Um, Lauren, again, uh, Lauren combining with Giles, and he gets the ball into box, and, and Lauren has a really good save from the keeper. So again, we had quite a few chances in this half. Paul missed that, though. Um, I think. I'd say that was Paul finishing again. 
Yeah, potentially. Yeah. Um, potentially, yeah, I think that's fair. I think poor finishing is definitely a, a trend now. And I, I'd also add Lawrence finishing for a midfield player that is in a more attacking position. I, I, he needs to work on that. He's he yeah. missed two good chances in this game, another in the second I'll come to. And, and generally, while he's been with us, he's not scored enough goals. And I, if he can click and, and figure it out and get a few more goals, that would be good for us. So that's, that's definitely an area he needs to work on, Phil. What do you reckon? Yeah, I, um, I must admit, I thought he was, um, by some distance, our best player. I, don't, um, I don't disagree that with that in some respects, but yeah. But, it's about, uh, it's yeah if he can add that to his game, then then what a player will have there. But yeah. yes, he, he certainly had chances to, uh, to get us back in the game or maybe a consolation that... Uh, on another day, he could have taken, but mm. there's something he can he can work on. But it's it's all to me. That's um, that just shows the potential that he's got. Yeah, I, I think he's yeah, good with on it, mate. We'll come back to them. Yeah. So let's have a bit of review when we get to the opposition review at the end of the game, and I'll address that question about how did they perform I, um, after. The, I'd say definitely you're right in terms of the context of the game. Yes. There is a you know they are you know two 0 up um, at home, pretty. Fairly comfortable, but yeah, if we would have taken one of those chances, the game could have changed. But again, yeah, it's all contextual. But we'll come back to that. Um, and I thought we ended the, the half well, and I thought we started the second half well. But I thought also one of the positives from the game was the town fans. Yeah, definitely, they really good. You know, say to take all that many there, and and it was one of those games where things weren't going well, and you knew we'd lost the game. But the fans were really loud and chanted throughout, and and stuck with it really. And there wasn't too much negativity until probably the last ten minutes, where I think people started to lose their rag a little bit with the whole situation. Um, but during that first half, particularly when we were two 0 down, running up to half time, absolutely brilliant. And you you were right in amongst. It. I was a little bit to the left. We we got shifted out of our seats by a steward. It's a long story, but um, <laughs> but yeah, we got moved out to the left. But you were right in it, and you you recorded some good chances. But it's what audio of the chance, didn't you, Ollie? Yeah, recorded a few chants. Also good, obviously, for the podcast for our intro. In our on our sections, yeah. but yeah, let's let's play in let's play in a, um, a section of the towns and town fans chanting now. <laughs> It sounds brilliant. I mean, it sounded brilliant on the day, and I was right at the back, really, and not not too far from it, to be fair. And it, and it, it had a touch of like we were talking about Barry away a few few weeks back, weren't we, Ollie? In terms of what the atmosphere was like that day, and you know, really loud. And it was because we were up. In, I think it was because we were up at the back of the stand in the stanchions. Yeah, good acoustics. Really good acoustics, and it had a bit of a sort of Barry away vibe to it, you know, in the in the playoff game. But yeah, brilliant. Fair play to the fans, and you know, I went down at half time and got a, a really warm bottle of whatever it was, Heineken, which was disgusting. Um, and the town fans were chanting down there as well, so everyone had a good day. I think, which was good, but um, yeah, second half. As I say, you, you, we sort of just briefly mentioned it there. We, we didn't start too bad, did we, Ollie? We were ten men. I think uh, I say my personal view is Ipswich were, were giving us too much space, and we're, we're happy for us to have the ball a little bit. But we, we did make the best of that, I think, and, and created chances. Yeah, definitely. Um, Love did one of his best attacking moments in the game, where he crossed, put a really beautiful cross in for Edwards, yep. who, 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 yeah, did a, a glancing header wide, and again. Getting boring now, um, yeah. Really, really should have um, should have scored. Damn right, yeah. And that's the Edwards of old, Phil. You know, and you've probably seen him playing for Wolves on telly or you know occasional YouTube clips of what he was like there. And his, his late runs into the box and converting them was one of his strengths. But as I said on podcast last week, he seems to have left his shooting boots in uh, Wolverhampton, and um, he definitely didn't find them on Saturday, did he? No, it's uh, <laughs> it's a shame, isn't it? I think everybody likes Dave Edwards. Everybody Loves really him. wants him yeah. to do well, and and. I think it's just a shame that we're not quite seeing the player that maybe we thought we signed mm. yet. Um, I'm still giving him the benefit of the doubt that he's he's coming into the team off some long injuries, but he's uh, he's played every game this season, so I'd like to to think that we might start to see that from him very soon. I don't really recall 
um, him getting in the box too often in it, you know, throughout the whole season. I mean, now not just this game, or having many shots from the edge of the box or anything like that yet. So I, he just seems slightly behind the play a lot of the time. Mm. Uh, he's always puts a shift in. You can you can tell he's, he's playing um, for the badge on the shirt um, yeah, every game. It. Yeah, but. I would just, I just really like to see just a little bit more from him in terms of that quality that I think we all know that he's got there somewhere. I think that's fair. I, I, I detected for the first time a little bit as the game wore on a little bit of frustration with the fans around me, Ollie, in terms of his overall contribution to the game. Like he got up a couple of times into the box and had a shot, but there were a few times where he seemed to be rocked on his heels and he wasn't quite. Whether whether it's because he's played a lot of games in a row now, and that's the first time he's done that for maybe two years, that it just might be catching up with him a little bit. And I think he will be probably the one player in our team who will benefit from this two-week break. Now, hopefully, he can almost kind of just get himself back to where he was, where he should have been at the start of preseason before he had that injury. And then maybe we will see, as Phil said, that player that we thought we'd sign. But you know, he, he has. Yeah, he had to put a bit of a shift in his defence yeah, this week. He definitely obviously did. Um, but playing as like yeah, we had two him and Goss are playing as kind of box to box, and hopefully yeah, maybe we'll come on to it. It's interesting discussion about where you know what our best midfield yeah, three could be because yeah. we do have a a lot of midfielders these days and this season. But yeah, it's probably worth maybe just closing this half off, mm. um, and then yeah, maybe doing a bit of analysis. <laughs> and then talking about never talk about it so. again. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, exactly. So. So yeah, Laurent had a had a had a chance of a flick on again, getting into we you know we did get did get behind their defenders and get into the box to have opportunities. Um, we also then had another opportunity from a corner, and where Edwards is free again, yeah. so set piecing is definitely not a, a strong point. And if we were better at scoring goals, and um, we definitely would have taken these, we should have taken these chances. But then their counter attacking goal is a superb bit of play, and. I, I think you'd struggle to score a better goal, um, see a better goal in the Football League on Saturday. They finally so, clicked into gear, didn't they? That's what I was sort of saying. They played with themselves and then suddenly just counter-attacked with pace and it just devastated us. And yeah. I, I really always had at the back of my mind, idea that they could have maybe done that again if they really wanted to and then just kept themselves back for the for the harder games they're going to have against 11 men, against teams that are better than Shrewsbury Town. But I'm not sure everybody saw the game like that, but for me, I had vibes of that. Yeah, so what they did, so again, and Vincent Young, one of their best players, a uh, half a million pound signing apparently from Colchester. Um, yeah, so you know, if you can spend half a million on a right-back... Um, yeah, obviously there, you know, and you just look at their squad. They got, you know, it's full of championship players. Um, and basically, he yeah, he attacks, gets a Jackson cr- um, cross into the box into Downs, who does a superb diving header, um, and yeah, um, a fantastic, a fantastic um, goal. And we were obviously down to ten men, and this was at um, you know, obviously well into the into the second half. And yeah. while. I obviously don't want to see a team concede, but yeah, we've been trying to score, and it was 69 minutes in, and you know it's a good goal by good players. Um, yeah, I'm not going to whinge too much about that, and it was it was obviously a good goal for them, and capped off a fantastic day for their fans, and and signalled the uh, opportunity for a few of town fans who were obviously enjoying a day out on the train and drinking to just uh, get an extra one at the pub because I did notice yeah. a few people leave, including uh, a couple of the members of our party that came down who I met later on at the pub. I stuck it out to the bitter end, as I'm sure you guys did, because you know me. Ollie are proper journalists aren't we Ollie so we'll make sure we watch all the games but a 3-0 down with about two minutes to go I was thinking I could get off here to be honest but but you never, I never do I don't like leaving unless it's like something desperately bad but a few fans did leave I think to get another pint in Ollie yeah it was frustrating it was a frustrating <laughs> time but I can understand why the fans are getting frustrated especially with I think it was more with the referee yes um, at this point and maybe it's worth talking about the ref now so I was while the big decisions, obviously the, the, the Wally decisions, he got right. The penalty clearly wasn't wasn't in the box, but it was very close. And then he just started to, and he definitely, and we've had this before, and you know, 
it, it, they're human at the end of the day, but it's still not fair, and it's really frustrating that he was definitely there was a sense of that he was biased um, throughout the game, and hopefully people listen to this podcast see that you know we do we should say we see think we say things as what we see, and you know we're not we're not blue and amber specks all the time, but the fact that they you know they were the worst fouls from them on our players, and they only they only got booked their play got booked in the eighty eighth minute. And it's really surprising, actually. There was one moment where their central defender actually lashed out at Robertson and hit uh, Rob Morrison, sorry, and hit him on the hit him on the leg. Yeah. And he saw it and had a word with both of them. And that, for me, is probably the standout example where you just have to question. And hopefully, it's reviewed when he gets his review assessment. Like he should have booked that player there. I, mm. I just don't understand why he didn't. I mean, to me, it was one of the most. It was the again first game for a long, long time. I've seen Shrewsbury Town fans going loopier referee when it fell. And um, yeah, I don't know. What was your take on Kettle overall, Phil? Well, my thoughts were if if I knew it was going to be the Trevor Kettle, Trevor Kettle show, I probably wouldn't have bothered to spend <laughs> 130 quid to get down there. But um, yeah, I mean, looking at it back, if you want to give him as much benefit of all the doubt as you can, <laughs> I I thought it was a penalty. You'd like to think he should have had a better view of it. Technically, Wally had two yellow card offences, but I think it was it was petty to give him bookings for both of them. But like you said there, Ollie, it was, it was um, every decision he could give against Shrewsbury, he seemed to do so with glee and then try mm. to conveniently not see everything from the opposition. I think um, maybe it was a, a case of him wanting to be liked by 19,000 people and not caring what the other 600 people thought. I don't know. That's probably a bit harsh, but... <laughs> I think there were some very uh, very one-sided decisions going on throughout the whole of the game. And he is a referee we know from our history can just be really poor. And, and you know, we've, we've had these incidents with him before that are probably not worth repeating again because we've covered it every time we've had Kettle. But that, that history that we've had with him really colours... Suggesting it could just be sheer incompetence uh, yeah, rather than anything. Possibly it would be just a totally shit referee, to be honest with you. And that would be my view on the whole matter. But um, it won't be the last time we have Trevor Kettle, unfortunately, mm-hmm. lads. So buckle up for the ride because he did at least two or three games last season I'm sure we'll see him again where who knows he might owe us or he might think he owes us one and that'll be delightful so as I say he sent a player off against us last year we do forget that we've got we've got to thank him for that so maybe Matt he was just redressing the balance from that Ollie but um, yeah he's rubbish isn't he and, and I think town fans are pretty sick of him overall in general but um, for me in terms of the overall game yeah he was poor there were a lot of biased decisions but yeah I don't, you know, even if he hadn't sent Wally off, I think... It wasn't going to change the game. We were still and lost. I think it's worth just saying, yeah. you know, throughout this game, while we're talking about chances we had and all this kind of stuff, yep. there was clearly a, a, a superior team here. Yep. Um, and I think, yeah, they could have done a lot more. And we'll come to that when we talk about them. But I mean, yeah, talk about possession quickly as well. We didn't have much in the game again, but I don't really think I can really go on about that too much because we had 10 men for most of it. But it was down at 41% again which is for the, what we now, five league games and a cup game. It's been at that or lower every game since, which is a, a pattern that is continuing, despite the fact we twink, twinkled around with our midfield this week. But, um, yeah, the shot conversion was slightly fairer, wasn't it, Ollie? you know, in terms of the overall shots and shots on target? Yeah, we we actually had more shots in Ipswich and had more corners as well, which is odd. And this is, yeah, trying to think about this game and me and Phil chatting on the way back. It's a very odd game. Uh, it's yeah. a very game to try and analyse. You know, we they you know we, we gifted them two goals and had a man sent off, which is obviously going to change the the story and the, the thread of the game. But and if, and yeah, just on just on, on say, a few of our shots, Ollie, were kind of powder puff from outside the box. Yeah, as well. there was a lot of half chances yeah. and stuff. And I'm, I'm not going to try and you know try and rewrite history no, and say we deserve to win or draw or anything. Um, but then. yeah, we did have chances, and it'd be wrong for a remiss of us to say pretend that we didn't. We did. 
but again, just same old, um, same old um, story of the season, not taking those chances. Mm-hmm. Okay, and so that was it, really. I suppose. What do you want to do? Do we do Ricketts' comments first, and then move on to our top threes? Yeah, let's do let's do it quickly, and then go through that, and then yeah, we can have a chat about what we thought about the switch. Okay. Um, so, um, Sam Ricketts, um, you know, he mentions about what we just said there about the shots and and stuff in terms of corners, and you know, it wasn't a pen, and we created chances. He was honest enough to say that we were really naive, that meant that we were two 0 down. And then, yeah, he just mentioned as well. He seemed clearly frustrated about it, the the fact the lack of bookings for Ipswich players. Mm. Um, and then, kind of moving on, um, he talked about you know about the posh game, which was obviously created a little bit of um, interest this week. Um, with obviously the game being cancelled, because we had three first team players, so that's within the rules. So that's been cancelled. Um, but obviously the checker <laughs> the checker trade or whatever it's called, and we have to play those about those players. Um, but obviously that's a great chain, chance to rotate this week. And we obviously don't have a game on Saturday, so we've got two weeks now to get a few players mended and spend a bit of time on the training ground. Yeah, which is good, I think. As I said, I think there's a few players that might benefit from a, a bit of a break having been that because of the injury crisis in the field, they've probably played maybe more games than Ricketts would have liked. So I think that'll help. And, and I think that, you know, we're going to talk about transfer windows at the end of this very quickly, but that's more important is the 24 hours that we've got now between now and the end of the transfer window is just as important as the two week break so yeah and balls to the check trophy I don't care Ollie so um, there we go my top three though I'll, I'll start us off because um, we've got fairly similar players but yeah I went for love um, I thought he's uh, you know I think I put on Twitter this uh, during the game unpopular opinion I think Donald Love is a more consistent player than Ryan Giles and I was surprised that pretty much everyone actually agreed that it isn't an unpopular opinion it's probably fair because he hasn't he, Giles has been a bit more up and down with his games whereas Love's been consistently seven or above I think and he's been good in all the games we've had and I think he really stood out this week in terms of, of how he um, kept driving forward his crossing seems to have come on but he, he really covered us at the back a few times and had a lot a lot of energy so I, I think he's a really good player and then second I went for Laurent I was I was happy with him being back in the team last week and I saw steps forward again um, and again in terms of an energy and giving us a drive going forward so that was lovely um, and third I found it hard to pick the third so I just went for my man Pierre again because I like the guy so there we go no, no maths or science behind that but you guys have gone for fairly similar ones what about you Phil? Uh, yeah, well, I went for uh, Laurent number one. As I mentioned a bit earlier, I thought he was um, by far our most effective player on the day. Um, critical of his finishing, I guess, but um, it's great to have him back in the team. And I think we've been missing out on someone joining the attack from midfield, and hopefully yeah. he can start to do that as he his fitness uh, fitness picks up. Um, secondly, I went for Love. Again, another consistent game. He, he's turning into a, a, a very good signing. He, he yeah. can put a very good cross into the bo- into the box. Um, so I can I can see that he might get a few assists this season. And third, I went for Edwards. Um, again, a little bit because I like the guy, but undoubtedly he did put a shift in, um, albeit not in a maybe a, a game or slightly as a midfield position that suited him best or how maybe I'd like to see him play. Mm. But uh, he certainly, I felt, gave his gave his all that game. And yours is almost the same as Phil's. You've switched your top two around, haven't you, all? Yeah, I went for Love, Lauren and Edwards yeah. and similar comments you said already. Um, and I really struggled for a third one. Yeah. Really, really struggled. Um, yeah. It, 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 I mean, I'll ask you all the simple question now because I was flummoxed when I arrived, well, I saw on Twitter, um, that the Radio Shops commentary had picked a man who was substituted off during the game for being ineffective. Steve Morrison got the Radio Shops man of the match. I mean, can you think what? there's anybody there that went to that game that would have thought Steve Morrison was our man of the match? Wow. No. 
staggered silence. Well, I thought about well, it once. Yeah. yeah, he did put a bit. He went a few <sighs> things, but no yeah, chance it wasn't was good enough. No, no, but bizarre. And and to me, my mum. I went to my mum and dad's today, as usual, talking about football. And my mum was like, the commentary sounded like they'd had a memo to big him up because he's not having a very good time of things, and they don't want fans <laughs> to get on his back, which I'm sure is not true because we know Mark Elliott and we know the guys in the press. It wasn't Mark Elliott. It was well, Nick Southall. Oh, was it Nick Southall? Oh Stuart well, Dunn. I don't know Nick yeah. Southall, so maybe he has got an agenda that I don't know about. But um, yeah, but I, I doubt that's true. To be fair, but yeah, really odd that one. And I said even when she put their votes up and a few other things put their votes up Love was miles ahead in all of those as well so I was really surprised by that because harsh on them not, not on Love not to get a man of the match on the radio but yeah there we go I mean one of the things you want to talk about Ollie is, is Ipswich a little bit don't you because it's the first time we've had to see them you know in a long time and you know it's probably worth mentioning it I mean to me they look really good um, I, haven't, I haven't really got too much to say on them because I think they're just going to be they're different kettle of fish to Sunderland last season they should walk this league to be honest with you whereas Sunderland I think have some deficiencies that ended up costing them which is obviously clear um, but go on what, what do you think of them really because you've got a lot to say haven't you yeah I thought, so we do this obviously every week we talk yep. about the opposition um, I was surprised in terms of how they played they played in a very very simple kind of four four two. Love it. Apparently, it's not always their normal <laughs> formation, but yeah, it was it was quite yeah, it was quite interesting. I was quite surprised they did that, um, but it's, I can understand why to just try and get those two strikers on the pitch. And as we mentioned already, um, those strikers are immense. No, I can't good. see. I can't surprise. I wouldn't, I wouldn't be surprised if it goes all season without one of them scoring. They're that good. Yeah. Um, and I was also really impressed um, by by Vincent Young on the right back. He looked really really good. Obviously, heard a bit about him um, when he was at his previous team. But yeah, it was good to see. And, and when you look at their squad, they've got a lot of championship players. They've got quite a few players that have been there for a while. And yeah, I was I was I was quite critical of them, and I was critical of them during the game, and I've been critical of them after the game. And it's probably worth explaining why they are by far the best team in the league. They're not a team, you know, they're not a team like Sunderland who've got kind of issues and you know, kind of lots of mm. issues in terms of their squad and a bit of imbalance. They have a really, really good solid championship team. Um, they had an absolute mare last year and only winning five games and only winning three games at home. So I do feel for their fans it must have been a pretty um We know that feeling though. <laughs> last year. We do know that feeling. We've been there before, but I don't think we've ever been as bad as lose, winning only five in a season. That's pretty We weren't far off that last year, were we? Yeah, we, no, we won a lot more than that. We won a lot more <laughs> than that. Doesn't feel like it. Yeah. But also and for the reason why I was saying that in terms of so we did get we did get through to them, we did break through, set pieces that were quite sloppy defending. But I was also really surprised that they didn't try to dominate the game. So after they went up two nil up and obviously we went down to ten men, I expected them to dominate the game and they didn't. So even halfway halfway into half an hour into the second half they still didn't really kind of take you know take a lead and dominate the game from possession point of view. And given we only had 10 men, you would have expected them to have kind of closed the game out. And even one of their own fans chatting to me on Twitter said that they were quite, he thought they were quite sloppy. And just to kind of put into context, I did a, just a little bit of research in terms of passing. So when we played Rochdale, they passed just under 500 times. And they ended up passing the ball 10% more than um, Ipswich did in this game. And given the difference in budget and quality in their team, I'd have expected them to do a lot more. And I don't know whether it's a bit of a hangover from last season, but yeah, I expected a lot better, a lot more from it switch. And I was quite surprised um, how poor they were really in terms of yeah, dominating the ball. And it took them to bring, they finally brought Nolan on. And there's definitely something about us having more midfielders than them in the game in terms of dominating that area. But yeah, I just think something they should do and. They're a team with, um, you know, a, basically they should for me they should be they should walk this league. Yeah, I think overall the rest of the league is really poor, 
And for me, they should really be look, being quite arrogant in a sense and basically preparing for the for season next year and back in the championship. Mm-hmm. So, And I think they need a more of a ruthless streak. If they want to win the league, and they can't just to switch off. And we saw it when they scored their third goal. If they kept on trying, they could have absolutely spanked us on Saturday. Yeah, they should um, have done, really. And I think if they want to win the league and then they want to have a good season when they go back up, they need to be a lot more ruthless. Um, and so, yeah, just because of their quality, I just that's why I think I expected a bit more from them. Possibly, that's fair enough. I mean, this, I think it's a good summary of where, where we would view it, which I don't think many town fans would disagree with that. Um, yeah, I think a good summary of that, Ollie. It's just reminded me of one thing, really, that was worth talking about very quickly before we close this game out. Was um, And I said our fans were fantastic, but um, I, it's a very odd thing about Nolan. Like, he was amazing for us, and that whole season we had that was brilliant wouldn't have worked without him, would it, really? But... It seems to me that more town fans there were annoyed that he had that period where he downed tools for literally 24 hours, where he, he knew he'd been offered a move, town didn't want to sell him, and apparently didn't come into training one day. And it seems that that one 24-hour period has soured people's views on John Nolan more than I suspected because he got a huge booze and then booed. Yeah. And I can't. I. I'm maybe I'm. I don't know. Maybe I'm a bit older and I'm a bit more reasonable about these things. But and our boo players, especially players who were crap for us. But but I could never bought boo John Nolan personally. I think he was really good for us. And Christ, if he was offered us back on loan now, I'd, I'd drive to Ipswich and get him now because he'd walk into our midfield and he looked classy when he came on. But yeah, I don't know. Did, did you boo or not, guys? No, I, I certainly not. didn't. I certainly didn't. And I I know Ollie. As soon as you heard it, you said, "Why are they booing him?" Um, yeah, to me, it was a, a bit bizarre. Maybe it was just people had had a few, and it was a bit of the <laughs> pantomime burn or something. Well, people like... were people were people then defending the booing online who yeah, those weren't at the game and. I think it's just not, like he said. Apparently, there was a section in the um, in the Ipswich um, program, and he said that it was the one. He said it, it was the best time of his career. Yeah, he loved it. And he's nothing but fond memories of his time at Shrewsbury. It's a shame. I think it's just a bit naive of town fans to. Okay, he put he basically handing a transfer um, request in actually helped the club because that meant that he had no claims left on the remainder of his contract. Yep, and. He had the chance to go and play in the Championship, which is obviously going to be a dream for him to go and play a bigger club like Ipswich and play in the Championship, especially with a manager that he knew. And I'm sure he was must have had a wage drive of nearly four or five. Mm. So why wouldn't you want to do that? So I think it's just disrespectful for the effort he did, the memories he did. That goal away at Charlton alone is an absolute wonderful strike and I thought he was fantastic for us so I really don't get it I don't, th- I don't think that's right at all yeah I, as I say not everyone was booing around me and I thought some people it was a, there was a fair few people also were like I, I can't get my head around it really but there was also some people around me who were vicious as hell about it like really giving him all sorts of Judas stuff and yeah football fans can be funny sometimes can't they I think the will of the crowd does override it somewhat and maybe some people join in with a booing that might not have th- done so if they were thinking more clearly who knows but yeah a bit, a bit of an odd one that really and uh, shame really to leave that game on a sour note really I suppose and, and, yeah. well we yeah. did lose three now yeah, well it was, it was already quite sour yeah. wasn't it but there we go I suppose I mean that wraps up what's, what's happened obviously against Ipswich and I think um yeah, we, we shall look forward to, to hopefully better times and have a little bit of look at Salop news and then and quickly cover some questions and predictions. Well, sad indeed for Ipswich, but who I'm sure, despite their own problems this season, would have been the first to congratulate Graham Turner and his team on that splendid result. So in, in Salop news, really, this week, all we've got... Uh, 
little, little just catch up on Berry really, and, and then a question that we've set for this week for the for the listeners really. So yeah, Berry and Bolton obviously just worth reiterating really. One club's now been expelled from the football league, which is uh, devastating for their fans and and the guys we met last week who we played against who I mentioned. Um, but also Bolton have been reprieved. So as a as a football club for Shrewsbury, it's good we've got at least one Christmas game because it would have been a bit crap as a, as a fan to go without any games over the festive period or, or at least lose two of them. So we've only lost the one of them. Um, and the other thing that I found uh, interesting about it this week and yeah, away from all of the, the whys and the wherefores which maybe we'll, we'll cover another day but Adrian Durham um, uh, the, the uh, Peterborough United fan who does the drive time show on um, on Talk Sport had an issue about the Peterborough game being called off because clearly he booked his train tickets and he wanted to bring his lad to the game so rather than you know be a mature man about it and realise that these games get called off in the t- all the time including by Peterborough who've done it several times over the years the man is an idiot and a shock jock and decided to make a massive song and dance about it on Twitter, which over the over the last two days I found to be more than hilarious. And um, I know you got involved in it as well, Ollie, but yeah, what a clown that man is. Yeah, it was. It seemed a little <laughs> bit unnecessary to, to draw attention to Shrewsbury on it, given, yeah, people have done it and lots of teams have cancelled, had so, games cancelled within the rules. Yep. And yeah, then, and then the funny thing is, like, yeah, he was a bit of a clown on the Friday... And then he decided to poke the fire again um, on on Saturday, mm. and then he had the cheek to. I basically just told him to bore off because just go and talk about Man United <laughs> or something else. And then he, then he tried to twist that to say that we didn't want him talking about League One, which wasn't the case. Um, so it was just a little bit odd. Like I don't know. I don't know what is he was in a bad mood or is he just that really upset that the game's been cancelled? But <laughs> it just seemed a little bit petty and yeah, using his platform to have a go at Shrewsbury, which I thought was a little bit unnecessary. And his arguments were a little bit, I don't know, a bit bit amateurish considering he's a professional yeah, journalist. He's, he's a moron, to be fair. And and talking about the internationals, and I'm probably probably asked a question about this in terms of the fact that it's it's great for a club to have it. But um, obviously, we should just mention. So Giles been called up the England under twenties, which is at the Meadow on Tuesday. Oh, and I might go and watch that game. So might do a bit of feedback on that next week. But then we've got Pierre and Beckles have been called up to play for Grenada's national team. And the most interesting thing about my train journey home was that we were on the train down to London that um, Omar Beckles was on. Now he was sitting at the very end of first class, a long way away from the scumbags like us. At the back of the train but one of the lads went to Lou and spotted him and so um, they went up and had a chat with him and took a photo and do you know what I spoke very highly say of some of the fat football players I've met over the years but these you know the lads went down there and met him and couldn't have been more um, positive about the man and, and the, the, the character that he is that he was happy to have a chat he was apologetic about losing to Ipswich he seemed a really nice guy they had a quick chat about how amazing um, the season under Hurst was and how much he enjoyed that and then they said had he seen a video that we all did and it was online and went a little bit viral around Shubertown fans of us walking down Blackpool um, promenade when we played Blackpool two years ago singing an Omar Beckles song and he looked at us and was like oh that was you lads was it sort of thing and it was really good it was kind of nice and sort of thing and the lads sort of said you know go and enjoy your time in Grenada and we'll see you when you go sort of thing so yeah I think it's good for, for um, good good to just give feedback about a player that is, is good for our football club film and he, he not, in terms of the mental health charities and stuff he seems like a proper good bloke don't he oh absolutely yeah he's um, he seems like a really good guy Um he does his best on the pitch as, as well every time, which is all you yeah, can ask. Yeah. Um, but uh, yeah, it's really good news for him and um, nice little bit of recognition for him. I mean, I I took my nephew to his first ever football game a, a few weeks ago and uh, he was the only player to make a bit of a, a fuss thing, come over and give Brilliant. him a wave and everything. And that, oh, made, that made his day. Um, the football didn't, but uh, those little <laughs> things are, are things that, that he's going to remember. For, yeah. Um, and uh, yeah, it's it's really um, it's really good news for him, and I hope he does really well. Good, good. And in terms of everything else, really, Ollie, we, we've got a question out this week, and you wanted to ask 
about the midfield problem, didn't you? Yeah, so I was just wondering, yeah, it's obviously good to get opinion from the fans and what we thought. And we've got a lot of midfielders. So yeah, popped a question on Twitter just asking, if all the midfielders are fully fit, which three would you play? Um, so so Ant Thomas um, went for, for, for Goss, Norburn and Edwards, with Edwards a bit further forward. Chris Owen went for Lawrence sitting um, forward with um, either Norborn or Laurent um, playing. Um, it's one of us what he'd go for. Sean said Laurent, Goss and Norburn. Mm-hmm. Um, and Gav, Gav went for um, for Goss, Norburn um, with either Thompson or Edwards ahead. So I'm with um, I'm with, um, with Ant almost in terms of Goss, Norburn. And then I think I'd like to see Laurent play. But okay. then I think it'd be interesting to see Edwards play that position as well. What would you guys think? I'd be with Gav Gav. I'd go for Norborn, Goss, and I think Thompson's going to be a player. Um, so I think I would have him in ahead of Edwards at the moment um, if they were all fully fit. That's my three I'd go for. But what are you for? Um, well, Ollie, you might guess the one person I haven't chose. Um, but I would have go for um, <laughs> Goss um, it, as the slightly more holding player. I, I think he's uh, he's got an eye for a pass and I think he's going to do very well for us. Um, Laurent, because... Um, as a, you might have gathered, I'm a bit of a fan of his. I think yeah. uh, I think he's going to grow as a player, and I do think he offers us a bit of a threat. And I really like the look of Thompson. What I've seen of him so far, mm-hmm. he looks really quick, um, direct, and a bit more dynamic. And someone else that hopefully, as he gets a bit fitter and gets more game time, can prove to be the one that uh, backs up our strikers by getting into the box to join some attacks. And Ollie, in the responses we had, did anyone go for Walker, Vince, a lot on Norburn? <laughs> No, Phil did on oh, Facebook having a laugh um, oh, when he? I told okay, him about the go. question. Um, but yeah, no one went for those guys. Oh, shocker. shocker, there we go. Um, and, and who knows? You know, Sam Ricketts loves a midfielder and we're about to move on to transfer targets. He might bring another We can't sign any more midfielders <laughs> hey, unless we lose a few. You can't put it past him, mate. You can't put it past him. But that does bring us to the, the next 24 hours, really, which is the end of the transfer window. And um, I think every Shrewsbury Town fan in the world would have watched the game on Saturday and every other game this season and said... Please, please get a striker in the next 24 hours. And not just any old striker. We need someone with a little bit of pedigree now, don't we? And it's probably worth mentioning that there is one name that is floating around which seems to have some credibility around it because it's it's been around now for a few days and and people seem to be latching onto it and it seems doable, which is Jason Cummins, who who was on loan at uh, Luton last year and I'm led to believe almost came here at one point and and chose Luton over us at the end of the day, which was a fantastic decision for him. So... Yeah, maybe there's some legs in that re re getting that one up there, and we'll find out in the next 24 hours, won't we? It seems like um, Tyrese Campbell. People still seem to say, should we get that? But as we said on the podcast, it seems unlikely because he's involved with Stoke's first team. Although yeah. again, he did. He'd be play. perfect, wouldn't he? he? That kind of all-round striker yeah. of bit of pace, who's and he's finishing his clinical. If we can get the, um, the the Jason Cummings, who was at Hibs, yes, who scored yeah. almost you know one goal and um, one goal in every two games. Um, I'd be more than happy with that. But yeah, it, it'd be interesting. I mean, do you feel see him going for anybody other than a striker tomorrow? I'd like to think not. No. Um, I think we've got good cover in other areas. I mean, you, you can always improve, but there is one gaping hole in our squad, isn't it? And yeah. it is that striker. Yeah. So fingers crossed he can pull something out of the bag. And Ollie, I might, you know, as it's a Monday night and I've, I've got zero to do in my life other than sit at home and watch TV or watch, watch Sunday night. Well, I could watch it on my phone in the car. I might go and lurk around the football club tomorrow night like when we went at the end of the Christmas window and see what I can see going on. I might, I might do some live tweeting, you know, become a Sky Sports correspondent outside the ground. So yeah, I'll see, see what's going on tomorrow night and uh, might have a few interesting tales to bring you to Salopcast next week. So there you go. That's a sad indictment of my life isn't it but um, we'll move to predictions to wrap this podcast up and start with the fact that I predicted she was lose 3-0 last week so I'm off and running this season Ollie you might be getting me another mug by the end of the season um, to be fair you went for Ipswich to win as well so you get a point but you went for 2-1 I went for 3-0 so 
next game that we've got coming up, obviously with the Peterborough game cancelled, um, and obviously we've got the checker trade, but it's not worth us talking about that because it won't be a full team and um, we'll probably only learn a little bit about the fringe team really. But yeah, away to Wimbledon um, in two weeks' time will be our next game. We've got two winnable games coming up. Yeah, so, definitely. Um, we've got Wimbledon away and then we've got Southend at home on the Tuesday night and yeah, Gauntlet down. I think we need to win both of those games to you know to to get, which has been a positive start for the season in terms of points. We really need to get. We need to win both of these games. I think, and we should win because they've 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 yeah. had terrible starts the season. Or or at least, I think that Ricketts needs to win one of those games by more than by by two goals or more. Bit of you performance know, or, or score of... score two goals. Do you know what I mean? Show that we can score some goals. Even if we scored two and drew two two away at Wimbledon, I think that would be signs of encouragement. To be honest with you, it, it at least show that we're starting to figure out that attacking that attacking verve. The worst thing that can happen was we we draw one, we draw nil nil there, and, and we maybe draw one one at home, and we've only scored one goal again. And the defense is still tight, but we haven't figured out. Southend have lost have lost six games. Yeah, you should be um, looking and to Wimbledon score a few are doing there. terrible. And I would so. hope that we'd finally not get you know get more than thirty nine percent possession against those teams. So again, this is a chance for him to show that his foot can be imposed on teams and we can we can try and blow teams away so two weeks to figure out to do it so yeah way to Wimbledon it's never an easy place to go though as we, as we proved last season and um, obviously we got the win but it was through you know very sheer determination at the end and then two goals from Luke Waterfall and um, yeah we've, we've, we've normally gone there and, and had tough games so I, I'm actually going to go for a, I think overall I think you know if you look at those two games I think we'll win Southend and I think we'll end up drawing I think we'll end up drawing 1-1 at Wimbledon I, I, Boo. I can't tell until we sign a striker Ollie how we're going to go to Wimbledon? Do you know what I mean? If if a late deal falls through for Cummins and we panic by someone absolute crap like Sam Smith again, you know I wouldn't see that as an improvement. And I, I think we still struggle to score goals. So for the moment, without knowing the quality of striker we're going to sign, I'm going to stick with the method, which is not many goals conceded, not many goals scored, and go for one one on it. One one. Okay. Yep. What about you, Phil? You know what? I was thinking one one as well. <laughs> I just think we'll we won't concede too many. Certainly not uh, at Wimbledon. I wouldn't have thought, but you just. You just can't see where the goals are going to come from. So unless this miraculous signing happens, um, but uh, yeah, at the, at the moment the, the squad we've got, the players we're going to have available through, you know, with injuries and suspensions, um, that's all I can see. Fair enough. I yeah. even think we're going to have a we're going to have a fantastic last twenty four hours of transfer window. Two weeks on the training ground, raring to go. I think we're going to go for, we're going, I'm going to go for a two 0 win to Shrewsbury. Boom! Oh, Ollie, that would be great because I'm going to Wimbledon. I'm not sure whether either of you guys are. But, not um, sure. Yeah, I haven't thought about it that far ahead. We got the Shrewsbury away support was their first away game, so that's at Wimbledon. So we've got a team there with a few of the London Shrews joining us, which is always good to see our, our fans that are sort of exiled in the capital, away from God's own country. So, um, yeah, so I'll have a game there in the morning and um, manage them, and then I'll go on and see whether Sam Ricketts can, can do better than I did in the morning. So I'll be there to bring. Us, bring us that in two weeks' time, and I suppose it's probably just worth saying we're not going to have a podcast next week, Ollie. You know, there's nothing really to cover. No, other it's than unlikely. A, a trade game, and no, we're going to have a, a, a free weekend. Obviously, with no game, no league game. So yeah, we'll come back after the, the Wimbledon game. I've, what I've, you know, you got one of those rare Saturdays off when you'd already planned to go to the football. I'll ask you guys. You know, I've already planned what I'm doing. Have you? Have you got any ideas what you'll do with that Saturday afternoon, Phil? Well, I was going to miss uh, this Saturday, oh, so it's worked out very well for me. So I'm at a, a barbecue down in London, so nice. um, that was planned ages ago. So um, I'm now not going to miss a game that I was uh, going to before it was called off. <laughs> what about you, Ollie? Any plans? No idea. No idea? Yeah. Oh, you no. Live your life on the edge, Ollie. I like that. I've, exactly. I've already decided that uh, after several recommendations of people on the train this week who've got kids, uh, we're going we're gonna to go to the ice cream factory place, the ice cream farm in Cheshire, where, where you can just get loads of different ice cream and apparently 
apparently there's mini golf there. So that, that's what I'm all about that next weekend. So I'll be there checking checking other scores on my phone while I play a bit of mini golf and eat some ice cream. And that's that's the end of the summer then. Then we're into winter then, aren't we? That'll be the end of the summer officially. Everyone's back at work, back at school, and that's it then. So there we go. I'm sure everyone else will enjoy their, their spare Saturday and and, uh, and we'll look forward to the game at Wimbledon. Um, so, so yeah, it's just worth saying thanks to Phil for joining us. Um, it's good to get a new guest on. You're, I think you're number 37 we've ever had on. So you can, you can have that on the back of your number. That's your squad number from now on. That's it. It's only taken you 36 previous guests to get me on. But, uh, no, I, I appreciate being asked and I've had a great time. Cheers, mate. Good stuff. And Ollie, we, we hope, you know, we've got a long list now of people we're going to work through as we have one game weeks. Yeah. Um, you know, bumped into Chris Allen, for example, listening to the podcast outside the ground, asking to come on. Um, several people are on our list that have not been on before. So, yeah, we'll, we'll hope to get a few new voices on over the next weeks up to Christmas now, won't we? Yeah, definitely. Yeah, definitely get some more guests on. And yeah, thanks for joining Phil. And yeah, thanks for listening, guys. And any questions, comments, whatever, yeah, happy to share them with us on Twitter. Uh, at Salopcast. Good stuff. We'll catch you in two weeks. Oh,